0: I want to share with you from God's Word for a little while. And then after that, I'd like to pray for any need of any person, whatever whatever that need may be. Um, now, I won't call out everybody's condition here tonight, but please understand that God still wants to heal you. Is that, is that clear? I, I always like to stress that because sometimes people have come to my meetings and simply because I have not called out their condition... They thought maybe God didn't want to heal them. That's not true. He wants to heal you whether I call out your condition or not. And there'll be plenty of opportunity here tonight for every single person to receive ministry. All right? Okay. Now, this morning, we looked at the authority of the believer. And I want to continue on with that tonight, um, speaking about how we actually come into this authority. Just to recap a little bit on what we said this morning. First of all, we saw in Genesis 1, reading from verse 26, it said, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. Oh, I love that. In our image. God's made man in his image. Image means exact replica. It means identical to the original. All right? And then God says, according to our likeness, let them have dominion or authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. God said it again. Again, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We read, we we won't look at it tonight, but we saw in Psalm 8, we also read how uh, the psalmist marvels at how much God cares about every individual. And you know, just thinking about what's happened already here tonight, that can only show us one thing, isn't that right? That God cares so much for each individual. When he would reveal to me the exact things wrong with people, because it can only show that he has incredible love for people, he cares, and he wants to do things in people's lives, right? And the psalmist writes, writes about that in Psalm 8, about how much God cares for people and how much authority he has given them, how he wants one of these people to use this authority to move in it. We looked this morning, we saw that then that when man deliberately sinned, He lost his authority, as Adam and Eve, when they deliberately sinned, they lost his authority that God had given them. They actually gave it to Satan. Satan disguised himself as a serpent, and he robbed them of their authority. Now, because God is such a just God, if he's given something away, he will not take it back. So this means that here's God, made this earth for for you and I to live in, because he loves us, he wanted fellowship with people, He, he made this beautiful world, he put man in with the authority and here he is now because of man's sin. Here's God, if we could say, sort of on the outside looking in and Satan running the world system. All right? The Bible says in 1 John 5:19 that the whole world system is under the control of Satan. All right? The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and, and the fullness thereof. Psalm 24, verse 1. But the system, Satan is the one who's running. now. But however, Jesus changed all that. I want to tell you tonight that Jesus had the complete victory over everything pertaining to us on that cross. And he restored us to the exact identical position that the original man had. With the one exception, that is we do have an upper limit to the number of years we expect to live here on earth now. Otherwise, God, (coughs) Jesus restored us to that same position of authority that the original man had here on earth. Right, so Jesus is our example, and he ministered under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We see that he then brings men in. He, when he, he came to earth, he actually took the authority back of Satan. Right, he defeated him. Right, and he took the authority back. Then he brings men into a correct relationship with himself, and then he delegates this authority to them. We see in Matthew twenty-eight verses eighteen to twenty, Jesus said there all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me go therefore make disciples of all nations baptizing in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have taught you and lo I am with you to the end of the age he said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me now I want you to know when Jesus said something it is the ultimate in truth if Jesus said all authority that's exactly what he means And he says, I want you to take this authority. I want you to use it here on earth. I want you to be my hands, my feet, my mouth. I want you to implement the kingdom of God here on earth. Jesus said in Luke 17, 21, 21, 17, I'm not sure which one. He said, the kingdom of God is within you. Wow, we are walking powerhouses. Amen. All right. We need to understand that the position that we have been restored to. So why do we have this authority? It's to serve and glorify God. In John 14, verse 12, Jesus said this, He who believes in me will do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. Wow, did you hear that statement? He didn't just say he'll do the things I did. He said greater works will he do. Wow! Wow! That's what Jesus said. And we know that he, he primarily meant we could get people born again. But I believe we should expect to do greater things than he did in all ways because he said it. Then he said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do. Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Do you know when miracles happen, God's glorified. Do you know he loves doing them? You say, why doesn't he do them in? Because he wants to do them through us. Amen. He wants us to understand this authority, move in this authority, so His power can be released in all these situations. And every time that happens, God is glorified. See, we are part of the most marvelous body on the earth, the body of Christ. Now, that is a literal spiritual body. (coughs) Jesus is the head, and we are the body. All of us have a very important part to play in this body and we need to understand this authority that he's given to us. See, the head cannot function without the body, and it cannot be separated. When Jesus was raised from the dead, we were also raised with him. Our position was established when he was resurrected. We are now spiritually in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're seated with with him at this moment, and we have this incredible authority that he's left us with here on earth. We see in 1 Peter 5.8, It says to beware of the devil because he's roaming around seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for people who do not know their authority. They don't know that they've got all authority over Satan. Amen, amen, amen. Shouldn't we be scared of him? Absolutely not. Not in any way at all provided we're committed to Jesus Christ amen 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 all right now we have the same authority that Jesus had now and this authority comes out of a relationship all right what I'm going to look at tonight is how then do we come into this authority now I'm not talking about earning it you can't do that all right God gives us to us the moment we come into his kingdom but we can do things that can cause us to be attuned to God so we can hear what he wants to do so we can be sensitive and so we can become aware of this authority see it's by revelation you know that and as we do these things as we come into this revelation then we'll understand and move in a greater way in this authority so what's the first point that that I understand that brings us into this authority well the first point is We've got to know it. <clears throat> if we don't know it, we'll never function in it. It's like the man from <clears throat> East Europe 100 years ago. His brother went to America. These were two, two, two uh, poor brothers in East Europe. And the one in America went over there, and he, and he did very well. He, started, he made a fortune. He wrote back to his brother. He said, look, come over here. This is a land of opportunity. He said, you know, sell everything. Come over and join me. You'll do very well. So the brother in Eastern Europe, he sold everything he had. He bought a ticket on the boat, and the, on the due day, he turned up at the dock with two sacks. In one sack, he had all his possessions. The other, had he had a sack full of bread. <clears throat> now, he got on the boat. Every every mealtime when the, the buzzer went for them to go to the restaurant to have a meal, he went to his cabin, and there he chewed on this bread. He did it three times a day, right through the entire trip. The second to the last day, as he was sitting in his cabin, chewing on this moldy dried up bread. A steward, thinking everybody would be in the restaurant, just went into his room. And he saw him there. He said, why are you sitting there eating that bread? And the man said, because I haven't got enough to go and get a meal in the restaurant. The steward said, when you bought your ticket, it entitled you to three meals a day. But because he didn't know it, instead of faring sumptuously in the restaurant. He was living on dry breadcrumbs. And that's exactly what many Christians are doing today. Right. Because we don't know don't know the authority, we're just sitting, we're just eating dry breadcrumbs instead of coming into the full banqueting table. We must know. We see this in Matthew 16, verses 13 to 19. Jesus was walking with his disciples one day in a place called Caesarea Philippi. And he was chatting away to them And he said, who do men say that I am? And they said, oh, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're one of the other prophets. He said, but who do you say that I am? At that moment, Peter had that revelation. He, He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus got very excited. He said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. That was Peter's original name. He said, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has. And you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Who was he talking about? Building his church on Peter? Of course he wasn't. He was talking about building his church on this revelation knowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives. The the redemption that Jesus has obtained for us. Our authority in Jesus Christ. That's what Peter was talking about. And Jesus got highly excited about that. That's what he wants all of us to be able to come to that understanding of who we are in Christ what's available for us, and just simply what God can do through us. If we don't know that, (coughs) we'll never, ever be able to function in that authority. (coughs) One of my favorite 10,000 scriptures is 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9. One day I was outside our house. I was doing something, just, you know, happily doing something. and God (coughs) suddenly spoke to me. (coughs) This was about 30 years ago. He said, You and I are co-workers working together. I thought, no. I knew God was spoken to me. I said, I can't believe that, Lord. Lord, I can't believe it. Do you know what God said? He said, well, we are. And he said, what's more? It's in your Bible. He said, what's more? It's 1 Corinthians 3 9. So I rushed in the house. I picked up my Bible. And guess what? God was right. <coughs> exactly where he said to. But do you know what? I couldn't believe that. I mean, it just, at that time, in my Christian experience, but you know what? Every day that scripture came to my... M- Every morning I woke up it going round and round and round in my mind. Finally, after six months, it got into my heart. And because that scripture, because there's so much power in God's word when it comes alive in our heart, and that word is alive in my heart now, I know that authority that the Lord wants to invest in me and as well as other people, all right? I know that now. It's in my heart. All right, we must know this authority. See what the disciples did in the book of Acts is only a start. Do you know that? All right. Second point: <clears throat> obviously, to come into, to understand this authority, it's through the word. Now, first of all, we got to live in the word. In Psalm one, it says there: "Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful." But his delight is in the law or the word of the Lord, and in this word he meditates day and night. he shall by the, be, be like the tree planted uh, by the by the living water that that does not the bear's fruit in season and its leaf does not even wither, and in everything he does, he will prosper all right so we 've got to live in the word. now I want to divide this up into three the, the word, the importance of the word well first of all. Jesus said in John 8, 31, 32, if you'll continue my word, you'll be my disciples, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. All right, so what, what about the word then? Well, the first thing is we've got to speak the word. Speak the word at all times. Jesus said this in Mark 11:23. 23. He said, whoever says to this mountain to be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes these things, he says, will come to pass he will have whatever he says. Now, he wasn't talking about speaking to Ruapehu or Taranaki or Mount Cook. He was talking about these mountains that appear in our lives, all right? Now, we know when we come into God's kingdom that we have salvation, we have assurance of eternal life, going to heaven, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we have amazing promises. But how many people know we've got battles to over to win in the kingdom of God. How many people know that? Right? If anybody tells you that you don't have any battles in the kingdom, they're they're simply not telling the truth, because we do. But Jesus said here, you've got to speak to this mountain. So we've got to speak the word to these situations. When these situations which would come up, which would try to usurp our authority, to rob us of authority, we've got to speak to it in the name of Jesus. We've got to believe in our heart, we have a victory over it, and then we've got to speak it. <clears throat> Psalm 91, it said, um, uh, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Will say of the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Will what? Will say of the Lord. See, we've got to continually speak this word at all times. <clears throat> I want to encourage us to design your world by your words. That's powerful, isn't it? I wish I'd thought of that myself. I didn't. (laughs) Design your world by your words. Now, we decide our future by the power of his word. We decide our future by the power of his word. What you're speaking now is going to decide what's going to happen to you probably in the next two to five years. Obviously, we speak in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. See, we've been given the name of Jesus to use. It's like a power of attorney. You know, if you've got a power of attorney, that means somebody gives you the right to sign their name on a legal document. Now, that's pretty powerful to have that. Well, Jesus has given us his name. So we can use it just like a power of attorney. Now, I'm not talking about using it as a rubber stamp, all right? He's got to be live in your heart, but you can use it as a power of attorney. That's why Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, Go into the whole world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. In my name they will speak in new tongues. In my name they will pick up serpents and scorpions. They will not hurt them. In my name, if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. In my name, they will lay their hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. See, it's in the name of Jesus as we speak that name. Right. We've only got a look at the confession of Jesus himself. The words he spoke when he was here on earth. Do you know what he spoke about himself? In John's Gospel, in in chapter 6, he said, I'm the bread of the life. Bread of life. And he was that bread that came down from heaven to feed a world that was starving spiritually and physically. And John 8, he said, I'm the light of the world. In John 9, he said, I'm the light of the world. In John 10, he said, I'm the door of the sheepfold. In John 10, he said, I'm the good shepherd that lays his life down for the sheep. In John 11, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. In John 14, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And in John 15, he said, I am the true vine. See, Jesus said who he was, and he was who he said. He wants us to be the same. He wants what's in our heart to be spoken out through our mouth. And he wants those two things to line up. See, if we carry this a little bit further, we see in John 1.14, it says that the word became flesh. In other words, Jesus was the living word. He was this Bible in the flesh and in his words. And in his manif- manifestations. Everything in this was manifested and revealed in his life, in his words and his in his actions so we've got to speak the word the the word of God all right the next part of living in the word is we've got to act on the word all right we see Peter and John when they went up to the gate beautiful we read this in Acts 3 as they're walking up to the temple at the hour of prayer this man was there he put put in his hand he asked Peter for money Peter said silver and gold I do not have what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Now, Peter spoke the word, but then he acted on it. You know what he did? See, that man didn't know anything about the healing power of Jesus Christ. Peter reached out and took hold of him and hauled him up. As Peter did that, as he activated that faith, that, that released the power of God, and that man was totally healed. We read in John's Gospel, chapter 9, when Jesus was walking through the valley of Siloam, they saw a blind man. The disciples had a discussion about it. They wondered why he was blind, and Jesus said, you missed the whole deal, boys. That's my paraphrase. But anyway, he brought him over, and then he did a strange thing. He spat on the ground. He made mud out of the spittle and the, and the dust. He made mud out of it. He put it on the blind man's eyes. He said, all right, now you go and bathe in the pool of Siloam. Now, that man had to act on the word. He was still blind. He had to ask somebody to help him to go. That took faith to do that. He had to go to the pool. He had to bathe his face. And then as he came back, he received his (coughs) sight. So we've got to learn to act on the word. I remember one night praying for a woman in Alexandra. Now, I'd come into the meeting. Just before it started, I'd been out praying Everybody was seated. I didn't know. I hadn't seen anybody come in. I started ministering, and God gave me a word of knowledge for somebody in the second row. Somebody there who's got a major physical problem who God wants to do a miracle to, and right in the second row. I said, all right, who's that person there? I hadn't seen. And there was a lady. She said, it's me. It's me. She said, I've had a stroke. She said, I can't move my left leg or my left arm. I'm paralyzed down my left side. And then I saw Two men had to carry her out and stand in front of me. I said, all right, are you ready for your miracle? She said, I I can't move my arm and my leg. I said, I heard that. I said, are you ready for a miracle? She said, I can't. I said, listen, are you ready for the power of God to be released? So can you lift your arm and your leg? I I, I, I said, look, be quiet. I'm going (laughs) to pray for you. Enough negativity had come out of her already. I said, I want you to get ready to be able to do those things. Oh, I can feel she was very doubtful. All right. I said, all right. Now get ready. So I I prayed. I said, put your arm. See, I can't. I said, put it up. See, I can't. I said, put it up. (laughs) And she went like this. Suddenly, as she acted, her arm went up. She realized. Then I said, all right. Now, I'm going to get you to lift your leg. I I said, look, I want you to lift it. All right. I said, lift your leg. She started to lift it. She lifted. All right. She lifted it. As she acted, her healing came about. I said, now we're going for a w- I can't walk. I said, we're going for a walk. So I took her by the hands and we started to walk. <clears throat> now she wobbled along for about three or four paces, and then suddenly she realized she was healed, and then she took off. And then she started to run around. She ran around the building, she ran around the, right around the hotel building, she ran around the car park, and she came back inside the building again. We had a photographer there that night from, the, from some paper, and actually got a photograph of she and I running around the building together and that was put in the paper the next day with a, with a wonderful story about how this, wonder, this woman had been gloriously healed by God. But it was only as she acted on that word. I've had to act on the word in my own life. I'm going to give you one example. I remember when I was in Africa <clears throat> about 20 years ago, I was there for three months and this particular trip over there, I was in, in Kenya ministering for about three weeks and then I went to what was then Zaire, it's now Congo, was in there for two weeks. During that time, we went right into the Congo jungle. That was exciting in itself. We flew 250 k's into the jungle and there, I spent a few days ministering there, No communication with the outside world. You know, no radio, no telephone, no TV, absolutely nothing. The only way they contacted was with bongo drums, all right? So we're really right in the jungle. It was just awesome. And when that jungle really comes alive at night. Anyway, that's just thrown in for free, all right? Now, after I came out of Zaire, or Congo, went back to Nairobi, right back on a Sunday night. Now, I was ministering in a large church, the next four nights, I was t- asked to teach on divine healing on the Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, finish it up, up with a little bit of teaching on the Thursday night and then pray for all the sick. All right, so I taught on the Monday night, Tuesday night. <coughs> on the Wednesday night, Wednesday night, Wednesday, I, I didn't feel the best. I, in fact, I was, sort of had a headache. Now, I can count the number of headaches I've had in my life and probably on one hand. And <coughs> I had this headache and I, that, I didn't know what was wrong. I mean I was standing against it I was believing but it just wouldn't go away anyway minister Wednesday night Thursday I didn't feel too good at all apart from the headache I was sweating one minute and shivering the next and this was in the tropics and the man where I was staying said look you are getting malaria we need to get you to the hospital I said oh no I've got meetings tonight and tonight I'm not going to the hospital and I'm going to believe God to heal me so the day went on and I I got worse and worse and worse I mean the time I went to the meeting that night my head was just splitting and once again I was either sweat was pouring out of me or I was shivering I spoke for about an hour continued the teaching and then I prayed for the people I prayed for I think it was two and a half hours for all those people and I thought wow we're going to go home it was about 11 o'clock and they said look there's a tenement building next door a lot of sick people will you please go and pray for those people I said Okay, So we went to the tenement building, and they kept bringing these people in. I mean, this, you can imagine what it was like in a tenement building in Nairobi. The heat was intense in, the, in this room there, and oh, I prayed for all these people. And I, whew, I finished, and then they said, there's another tenement building next door. Can we go, and, there's more sick people, can we pray for them? I said, all right, so we went over there. By this stage, my head was really reeling. And then I remember somebody... I prayed for a lot more people. It was, I think it was, it was about a quarter to one by the stage. And then somebody said, here's the last person coming in to be prayed for now. Now, I remember looking at this lady coming in. She only had one head, but I saw three. <clears throat> and I thought, my concern was, which head am I going to put my hands on? Because <coughs> I really saw three heads. So anyway, I aimed at one. I thought, if this is the last thing I do, I'm going to pray for that. Here, I'm going to pray for this person. Well, it was the last thing I did for a little while. I prayed for it, then over I went, right out. And then I woke up probably a quarter of an hour later with you know, the light going round, looking up at all these black faces around me. I didn't know where I was. Anyway, they took me back to where I was staying, and the missionary looked at me He said, I told you, you should have gone to the hospital. He said, you're a real bad way with me I said, look, God will heal me. Anyway, I... Um, Malaria affects you. your main organs. It attacks one of the organs, and it also attacks the blood. (coughs) It it was destroying... I found out this later. I didn't know at the time. It was destroying the red corpuscles in my blood. So every time I stood up, of course, I didn't have enough blood in my brain. You might say, what's the difference? But I didn't have enough blood in my brain, and I just fall over. I couldn't stand up. And also affected my kidneys. It clogged my kidneys completely. So, of course, my waterworks wouldn't work. Now, in my stupor, with my brain not working correctly, I thought the best thing I can do is stop drinking, I and mean, this was in the tropics. So of course I dehydrated as well, because I mean the pressure was something horrendous. Now I managed to get through Thursday night. Friday I felt like nothing on earth. They say the first day you get malaria, you wish you feel like you're going to die. The second day you wish you had died, <clears throat> and that's what it really felt like. Now every time I had to get up to try and go to the tournament because of the terrific pressure. I would just collapse on the floor. After the fourth time of picking me up, the missionary said, Look, I don't care what you say, I'm taking you to the hospital. <clears throat> so he took me to the hospital late on the Friday afternoon, it took about two hours to get there. We got there and they checked me in there. I didn't know what happened for the rest of that night. Next morning, I woke up with drips in me and a doctor came around. He looked at me, he said, Mr. Carey, he said, i absolutely, we, we know for sure you've got malaria, but we're going to have to check you out very carefully. We're going to test your blood because you've been in Zaire. And he said, you could have AIDS. AIDS is rampant over there. You could have all sorts of things. So we're going to test your blood all day today. He said, Mr. Carey, he said, I'll be back to see you tomorrow morning. Very nice doctor who really specialised in malaria. OK, I didn't care what was happening anyway. So he, he, he went on his way, and they checked me out all day. Now, I felt a little bit bright on the Saturday morning. He came round, and he said, Mr. Carrier he said, well, what I said yesterday, we've confirmed that you, you've got malaria. Now, he said, Mr. Carrier, he said, we have a scale. We measure malaria one to five. He said, one's just uh, moderate. He said, five is dead. He said, you are four. He said, apart from the fact that you because I told him the day before, Jesus Christ was my healer, and he kept me well. And he said, you're right. He said, apart from the fact you're nearly dead with malaria, you're a perfect physical specimen. I said, thank you, I told you that. (coughs) But he said, you're nearly dead with malaria. He said, I want you to understand that you're going to have to be here for a long period of time. I want you to make arrangements to be here for quite a period of time because it's going to take a long time to get you healed of this malaria. It's so serious, so bad in your case. And he said, you're not far off death." I said, all right. I digested that. He, went on, he said, I'll see you again tomorrow morning. He went on his way. Then I thought through the day, when I, my mind would function, I thought, Lord, I'm sure you didn't bring me here to Africa for three months to spend the entire time in the Nairobi hospital. I'm sure about that. And I believe God said, that's right. So I thought, I've got to get out of this hospital. I've got to get out of here. I had meetings the following weekend. So... <clears throat> That's what I was thinking about. He came round on the Monday morning, and the doctor said, "Yes, Mr. Carrier, nice to see you again. He said, things seem to be going okay. And I said to him, Look, doctor, what has to happen before you'll let me out of here? You'll sign papers so I can get out of here. He looked at me He said, Mr. Carrier, with not a very nice grin on his face, he was a lovely doctor, but he had a funny look. He said, when your temperature goes to normal, then we'll let you go." I said, promise? He said, I promise. I said, all right. I thought all day. Now, I didn't know if this would work or not, but I did, But the next morning, about 3 o'clock, when the most junior nurse was on, I asked her to bring me all the ice that she could find. Now, I got put it under the sheet, and I packed it all around my body. I didn't know if it would work or not. I packed it all over me, all this ice. She kept on bringing it to me, bringing it to me, and bringing it to me. Now, six o'clock. When the the, the, the sister came round to take my temperature, she took it. She looked at it. She shook her head. She took it again. I said, "What is it?" She said, "It's normal." I thought, "Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah!" The doctor came round about half an hour later. He looked at. He looked like this. I said, "See what that temperature says?" He said, "Yeah, I see." You know what? He wasn't impressed at all. I said, you promised me you'd release me. He said, yeah, I promised, but he said, you don't know how ill you are. He said, I want you to know you could easily die. I said, no, no, God's gonna look after me, we'll be all right. He said, all right, (coughs) I'll release you. So, about two hours later, they released me. I rang up where I was staying and said, come and pick me up, I'm coming back home. Right, by the time I walked to the car park, I realized how ill I was was all I could do to get there. I sort of collapsed in the car. I thought, all right, Lord, I'm believing for my healing. I'm sta- I've been standing on the word for three days. I've been quoting scripture. I've been thanking God for this healing. And Lord, I'm, I'm standing on your word. I'm going to believe for my complete healing. This was the Tuesday. They took me home. I was too ill to eat. I couldn't eat. I hadn't eaten for four days at that stage at all. Uh, just, I just. had the, the fever had caused my lips to... Not only swell up, but they, they, all the skin was hanging off in big pieces, you know. I mean, I looked something unreal, I can assure you. I'd lost eight, kilo, eight kilograms, eight kilos in that time. Now, <coughs> so all Tuesday, I just couldn't do anything. And the missionary said, well, you're home. What are you going to do now? I said, look, we've got meetings at Nakuru on Friday night, Saturday, all day Saturday and all day Sunday. I want you to book a seat on the bus to Nakuru on Friday morning. He just shook his head. He said, all right, I'll do it. Wednesday, I didn't feel any better. I felt terrible. I, I probably chewed a couple of spoons of food that night and that was it. Thursday, I felt the same, but I was believing. i was standing on that word for my healing. I was quoting scripture all day and thanking God for that healing. Friday morning, I had to get on the bus, I had to be on at 8.30. I couldn't even lift my, my bag onto the bus. The missionary's wife took me, and she had to lift it for me. I remember getting on the bus. I was the last one on the bus. I had to sit right in the very back, because on the way to Nakuru, the sun shines in the back of the bus, right on the people in the back seat. Now, there's no air conditioning. I mean, you can imagine how hot that was through the glass. I sat in the back of the bus, I'd never, I hadn't been depressed ever up to that stage, but I was depressed. I, I felt terrible. I felt so weak. I felt sick, really nauseous. And I said, Lord, I'm thanking you for my healing. And I was praying in tongues and thanking him. This was 8.30 when the bus started. The bus was due to get to Nakuru at 11 o'clock. At 10 o'clock, I had the most amazing deliverance anyone can ever have. As I was there, suddenly I felt the malaria go. It just lifted off me. The nausea went. I felt physical strength come into my body. I I stood up in the bus. I said, hallelujah. I was as fit and healthy at that moment as I am now. I was completely healed by the power of God. Now, I don't believe I was, I might have been a bit silly putting out ice around me, but I believe that God wanted me well. I believe I had the rema word from him that he wanted me to continue ministering right through for the rest of that time I'd scheduled in Africa. We had a hundred meetings in that three months, and we saw hundreds and hundreds of people saved, and amazing miracles take place, All right? We have to, I believe, really stand on God's word, All right? Okay. And Everybody still with me out there? We've got to act on it. Um, now, Next, next thing, if we're going to move in this authority, is that we need to be obviously people of prayer. You know, it's so essential to, to to commit ourselves to a prayer life. We need to have right motives. We need to die to self. Each each of these is a message in itself, but I'm I realise the time's getting on. Um, Paul said in Galatians 2:20, he said, "I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live." But this life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. So we've got to crucify the old soul nature. You know, we've all got to come, we've got to put the cross on our lives. What does the cross mean? It's where God's will and our will cross. And we've got to decide his will for our lives. Jesus said, Matthew 16:24, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We need to have mind renewal. In Romans 12:2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. In Ephesians 4, 23, it says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, 87% of illnesses are believed to be attributed to our thought life. Many chronic conditions are caused through toxic emotions. Thought life attitudes and habits and emotions are largely responsible for much mental and physical health. We need to control our thought life. It's not a destination. It is a journey. See, all positive reactions are from faith and all negative reactions are from fear. Right Now, the last thing we need to do if we're going to be in a a state where we can continue to, to use our authority and understand it is we've got to correctly handle persecution in this life we will be persecuted, amen, amen amen, if we don't handle that correctly we're never going to be in that right position that God wants us to be uh, it tells us in this, I won't look at these scriptures now but Jesus said you know basically you bless those who persecute you, you pray for them who would despitefully use you So we've got to understand that persecution is part of Christian living and we've got to be able to handle it to God's glory. All right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a God we serve. If we want to have this anointing, I believe, uh, uh, this authority, I mean, I've said that we don't earn it, but we can put ourselves, walk in a condition that allows us to be hearing what God's saying and be able to understand the authority that we have. We do that through knowing it. We do it through the word, through living, acting, and speaking the word. We do it through prayer, through right motives, through dying to yourself, through our mind renewal, and through quickly handling persecution. All right. Hallelujah. What a God we serve. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.